Night's Awakening. This is the Labyrinth. This is the Labyrinth. Uh, today we're going to be talking about a topic that is uh, it's one of it's one of those it's one of those topics of great value. It's one of those topics that doesn't get addressed all that often, and it's one of those topics that needs to be addressed a little more often, I think. Because it's one of those topics that really does have an impact on the world around us and the world inside of us. And that is psychological conditioning for reactions. And we're going to be doing a, a lot of talk today about psychological conditioning. This is going to spring off into some, some other stuff. Um, and it's, it's, one of the, it's one of those things that it needs to be addressed, the nature of psychological conditioning, why we do it when we start getting trained to do it, and how we can deal with it. So, for starters, the very first thing is people say, well, what do you mean psychological conditioning? Are we talking like, you know, Pavlov's dog kind of deal? You know, um, we're going we gonna to have a situation where if you do something we don't like, it's just a, you know, smack you upside the head for it and that's it. Well, that, that is a form of psychological conditioning. But what we are looking at specifically for today uh, at least at first, is the psychological conditioning we do to ourselves and the mantras that we don't even realize we're doing. To give a really good example of this, one of the ones I hear, especially when people are trying to make a change in their life, such as weight loss, such as uh, building muscle and weight lifting, such as meditation, is the I can't mantra. The I can't mantra, and everyone talks about this, and it is the worst mantra you will ever run into. It is the mantra you don't want to run into. And it starts with, you know, well, I would lose weight, but I can't insert excuse. And I guess a good example, I can't pass up a cheeseburger would be a good one. People say, I just, you know, I, I love to eat, and I just love eating cheeseburgers. And, uh, you know, I go buy a McDonald's, I gotta grab one. I go buy, buy any uh, major major fast food chain, uh, and I just got to grab something there. Well, that I can't pass this up mentality builds a repeat in the mind, especially every time you say it. So every time you're there saying, I, just, I can't pass up a hamburger, that makes it more and more true. It makes it so that when you respond to the stimulus in question, when you respond to anything related to that, it springs forth the programming that you've created in your own mind. Well, that sounds very uh, hooey hooey ha ha, and uh, I don't believe my mind works that way. Well, there's there's one for you. Is another one of those little I don't believe my mind works that way, and it just does whatever it wants. And then, you know, later on, one of these mantras is affecting you. One of these uh, mantras that you never realize you're saying because you repeat them so often that they become real. Uh, a very good one I found as a martial artist, people say, I can't do even light sparring. I, it, it, it makes me too afraid. I get too nervous. I say, I say to them, well, really, that's kind of neat. 
because I was nervous when I started, but I didn't let myself dwell on it to the point where it would have any impact or bearing on the person I am or the things that I do. Well, that mantra is a subtle one. And how it works is it, it works by the nature of conditioning. You do what you've prepared yourself to do. Now, a lot of people will say, well, I, that doesn't work that way either. You know, it's more than just mental conditioning, how we react. There's a physical component. And that is true, and that physical component is the mind. I guess to give a really good example on this, there was a time when I had no sparring partners. There was a time when I had no one really to train with. And any training I did get to do was always very, very, very light impact. And I trained myself so that if I felt someone grabbing my neck, and I did this through meditation and by repeating to myself how I would deal with certain situations, well, I trained myself that if someone grabbed a hold of my neck, I'd use their arm as leverage and a judo toss them. Well, I don't know much judo. I know one throw. And it was that one throw that I never get to practice that I programmed in through this continual mantric type of meditative state. So this continual reminder to myself that this is the proper response. This is the way you deal with this. So what happens? Someone one day comes up and is joking around, and I've got him a foot and a half off the ground, and I'm leaning forward to throw them before I realize that they don't really intend anything about it. So I've got them basically suspended midair. And they're like, oh, my God, I didn't mean it. Well, you know, of course you didn't. But there the programming kicked in. Now, was there any conscious thought to that? No, there wasn't. I had trained the reaction in by training the response into the mind. And this brings us back to that cheeseburger that you have to eat. I have to. I don't, you don't understand, Charles. I can't pass up fast food. You can't? Wow, that's that's a terrible curse you've put upon yourself. I can't think of... Uh, Anything much worse to have done than to limit your options in your life. But you keep telling yourself that, and eventually it does become true. Eventually, no longer do you drive by a fast food place and look at it and say, man, I'm hungry, but I know what's in there and I know what I don't want. Instead, you drive by and you look over and you don't even think the words, I can't pass this up. You're just pulling up into the driveway on instinct. You know, you got your wallet out, and the next thing you know, you're eating a cheeseburger, you're back on the highway. What happened? Well, what happened is we think in thoughts. We think in words. And words have a lot of power. They have a lot of power to manipulate the thought process. And this is to a greater or lesser degree, depending on the person. Now, another good example of this, and this is uh, one where I'm not going after anyone in specific. I'm not talking about anything anyone's done. Um, but I've heard this a lot from people who are pacifist by no other choice, they tell me, that they couldn't fight just because they don't believe they could hurt someone. And I, I always find that terribly interesting and terribly detrimental, uh, especially when they say, I cannot defend myself. And this is, this is the root of the show today, but it's also not the root, because I'm going to go over other ones. But this got started with a comment like that, and I said, you know, what really worries me isn't that this person or these people in general are pacifistic. In fact, I would rather have them be pacifistic than, you know, warlike ogres trying to kill people. That's for certain. But at the same time, it conditions the mind so that if someone walked up to them and swung a crowbar, you know, you, you'll probably get your arms broke if you put them up in the way, but it'll buy you a minute. 
it'll buy you a chance to run or get away or for someone else to do something. And it terrifies me at the fact that by going over this repetitive conditioning of saying, I would not defend myself over and over again, what they create is this status quo in the mind of allowing themselves to go through whatever, um, to be subjected to pain or torture or anything of that nature, because they've conditioned the mind that this is the way to deal with it. And it's no longer even a thought in words. It's a programmed response. It's a Pavlov's dog, but not the Pavlov's dog we know and love, because instead of just ringing the bell, what they've done is they've put the dog in a box at 12 o'clock every day. Eventually, when the dog sees boxes at 12 o'clock, he's going to go hop in one, just because he knows that's where he's supposed to be, because he's been conditioned. But this is the same type of conditioning as that done through words. And it's a scary thing, because it limits options. Another one, another one that I can't stand, and this is a good one, because not standing this is useful, and I'll continue to use that little internal mantra. It's an awareness of the thoughts that I'm making use of here as we go. But another one is when people say, I don't have any luck. They say, I don't have any luck. I never have any luck. You know, nothing ever turns out right for me. And then they wonder why their life is kind of falling apart, because luck is, is part willpower. It's part determination. And yeah, there's still the bad components of luck, but when you really believe you don't have any luck, suddenly you condition yourself to not do things that would require only a little bit of luck to succeed, or where there's a chance of success is in the high 80%, we'll say. If we got to use numbers, let's use numbers. The high 80%, 80% is a pretty good chance. You know, that's the odds of that are pretty good. People say, I don't have any luck. Um, I see this one on job hunts, and... Uh, I've got I've got friends that live nearby me that uh, run into this one. They say, I just don't have any luck whenever I fill out a job application. I said, well, when you fill out the job application, do you go in thinking like that? Well, yeah, yeah. I, I just realize how, how futile it is. So, you know, while I'm filling it out, I'm there going, oh, I, don't, I don't got a chance of this. I said, well, do you think maybe that colors your decisions any when you answer questions like, do you feel you'd be an employee who shows up on time? They're like, well, I don't think so. I said, well, what do you mark down on that? And they said, well, I mark down uh, most of the time. So we go through conversations like that, and I say, well, here's the thing. It sounds to me like what happened was this otherwise dependable person has decided that they don't have any luck, so therefore they would be unlucky when they go to their job and there would be times they couldn't show up. Well, the truth of the matter is person's very punctual, more likely to show up on time more likely to do the job well, but because they don't believe it, they can't express that to an employer, and the employer can't read their mind. I've I've seen this in martial arts. I can't do that kick. Well, you can't do that kick as well as, you know, uh, as, well as, uh, as well as your sensei, or as well as one of the masters in your school or your system. Um, but you can still do that kick, right? Well, yeah, but I just don't do it right. Well, why don't you stop saying I don't do it right and saying, well, I do this kick the way I do it, and I'm always trying to improve it and make it better? Well, I don't like saying that because it's not honest. And I was like, well, what part of it isn't honest? You do it the way you do it, right? Well, yeah, you know, I, I have to do it this way because, well, just stop the because. I don't want to hear why. It doesn't do me any good to know why. Are you trying to do it better? Well, you know, I'm always putting in my best effort, and I'm always trying to do it a little bit better, but no, 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 stop that but. Get rid of that. 
Now, this thinking process, this process of thoughts occurs throughout the day. And it's in every part of your day-to-day -day life. It exists in everything you do. It really, it really does, okay? Everything from I'm not attractive or people just don't like me or my favorite one, the one I used to do to myself, oh, inside, I'm a real bad person. I used to believe that. And I convinced myself into it for a while. That was really a neat experience. And when I say neat, I mean I want to hit it with a hammer. <laughs> I would rather be able to remove that experience, but I can't. And I'm not going to make that into a mantra. And see, there's a big difference between the random thoughts you have and then thoughts that you reinforce. And when we're talking about thought reinforcement, thought reinforcement is where you continually make use of these thoughts and patterns. You continually make use of these statements, these negative connotation statements, the I can't, I won't, or there's this part of me, there's that part of me, to create a disassociation within the self. Wow, that was a lot that I guess that what's a disassociation within the self? What that is is where you create something internally. And when I say internally, I mean a reaction, a decision, a way of thinking, a way of acting that you no longer believe you have control over. Now, at the end of the day, I'm telling you, you're going to be happiest when you're being your true self. But I'm also going to tell you that 90% of your day isn't controlled just by your true self. It's controlled by the reactions you create. And this is where your true self comes in. Because you can make the decision as to what thoughts you allow to have inside your mind. To give an example, this is, this is very similar to the Zanzen meditation. We did this at, at the last Jedi gathering, which was a great experience. You know, I was so very glad to make it to that gathering, and I was so very glad to see everyone and meet new faces and be able to talk to friends in person that I had only known online. And I shouldn't even say only known because some of these people I've been so close to that you'd think I live in their house. But, uh, you know, that being said, the Zanzen meditation is a good example of really taking stock of that thought train that runs through your head 24-7. And during it, there's the, what I would call, repetitive reinforcement of one way of thinking. And the example is when you're doing the Zanzen meditation, whenever your mind goes off of just sitting, you've got to go back to just sitting. And it's very difficult to do because even the thoughts you're using are thoughts. But what you're doing is you're actually overwriting that program that says I have to have that stream of steady thought with a program that says I can choose my steady thought or no steady thought. And this is, this is what I'm getting at with the higher self and self-disassociation. The higher self is the ultimate choice maker, but how we react and what we do in a day is a choice of all of those things we, our higher self has let proceed. All of those automatic functions of thinking. And self-disassociation is where you no longer feel you're in control of an action. One of my favorites, okay? I gotta have a cigarette after I eat. Got to. No choice. Really? No choice? Well, yeah, I've got it. I mean, I'll, I'll, I will go through walls. Oh, wow. Well, I say, I'll tell you what, we're going to feed you your food in a cage, and I'm going to see you go through that wall to get a cigarette. What it is, is you've created this pattern of, I must do this this way. And the first time you did it, you didn't realize you were doing it. The very first time, it was a, I want. And it was an innocent, I want. It was a, it was an innocent thought. Um, the I can't really 
make it through the day without a little bit more to eat. That's that's a good one for those that are dieting. You know, you've had your calorie intake and you're hungry as hell at the end of the day, and you're like, I just I can't make it through without a little bit more to eat. So you have a little bite to eat, and you feel guilty. So in order to appease that guilt, in order to get rid of that, you disassociate yourself from the action. You say, well, I, just, I didn't really have a choice. You know, it's just something that happens, and I don't have power over it. Well, no, the truth is, you made a choice. You said, I'm hungry. I have, you know, I've had my 1,800 calories for the day, or my 2,200 calories, whatever the diet plan you're on allots you. And I need the extra 200 calories. And the thing is, you didn't even really say you need the term calories. You said, I'm hungry, so I'm going to do this. So you did it. That's fine. But now, the next day, you're not hungry. But you know you're under your calorie limit, whatever. And you're like, man, I really need that extra 200 calories. Because that's how you explained it to yourself yesterday. So you go and you eat whatever the 200 calories. Then the next day, you know, wow, I just can't control my eating. Why? Because you created a thought pattern. You created a disassociation from the fact that you have control over it. The difference is how you approach this. When you look at it and say, I'm making a decision to do this, that is empowering. That is your ability to make a decision, to do an action. When you start saying, well, I don't have a choice. I don't have any way to control this. This is something I have to do. It's no longer a choice. It's no longer a decision. And now it's a mantra. Because now you're saying it all the time. It's a, it's a it's an excuse for an action, but now it's a mantra for that action to allow it to repeat and to make yourself feel better about it. And eventually it becomes a cage, that mantra does. Um, to give a good example, I built my own computer for years. I said, wow, I just don't think I could build my own computer. And one day I was sitting there, and I was looking at the list of parts and what it would cost to build this thing rather than buy it. And it was a difference of like $1,000 to have someone else put it together for me. And I was like, holy hell. Uh, so I'm sitting there looking at this. And I, I, the first thing that I notice is that inside my thoughts, a thought comes up. It's not a thought I'm thinking. It's a thought unbidden. It's almost like a feeling, an urge. And it's this urge, this feeling of, oh, I can't do that. And I looked over at myself in this. And I said, with all you know about this, you've seen it, you've done, you've done everything but put these parts together. You mean you really can't build this thing? Well, yeah, man, I've never done it, so I know, I, I just know I'll fuck it up somehow. Then I started looking at that, and I was like, you know, you're just gonna fuck it up. Why? Well, I don't know, cause I know I'm gonna fuck it up. So I, I started chasing the tail, and what it was, was that I had told myself so many times that I can't do this, because I hadn't. I told myself so many times that I messed things up that I'd become to believe that I was going to mess this up. I'd conditioned myself to not be able to do it. And it could have went really bad. I mean, I could have probably fried the whole damn thing had I not nipped that in the bud right there and be like, no, no, no. That's it. You know, this mantra is out of the way. Now the mantra is, I don't care what it takes, I'm going to do this. Now the mantra is, I am going to succeed. I know I can do this, and I can, and I know I'm going to be able to. Um... A lot of people say, well, that's just one thing. That doesn't, that doesn't work with my problem in my life, you know. I know that I'll never be able to walk a mile every day. And if you're physically handicapped to a degree that there is no force on earth that's going to allow you to walk, for instance, you don't have legs, you don't have legs, you're not going to walk anywhere, that's for damn sure. Um, then yeah, we've reached the upper limit of what this, this technique does. 
we've reached the upper limit of undoing this little this little thread, this little knot of problems that you're creating within yourself. But if you're a healthy individual, fairly healthy, semi-healthy, maybe healthy, you know, boring extreme conditions, statements like, I can't walk a mile every day, that's bullshit. And the trick is it's bullshit that you're feeding yourself and you're buying into. You're buying into this methodology. You're buying into this mantra because you've said it for so long that you're comfortable with it. So we've established what it is. You've tied a knot in the brain. You have all these threads of thought that move through your mind over and over. You move through all these trains of thought that you're going to have to deal with, all these little spaghetti noodle threads, and they've coalesced into a truth for you that is not real. Okay? If someone shoots a bullet at your feet, Every day of the week when you go outside to walk that mile, you may have validity in your belief that you cannot walk a mile or that you can't even go outside the house. Because someone's shooting at you, call the cops and get them to stop them. That's what they're there for. But, and this is a big one, when it's simply that fact that you've said it so many times that it's become truth for you, now, now what you have is a psychological problem. You have a, a psychological conditioning for this reaction. You know that when you go outside to walk, you won't make it a mile, and therefore you don't make it a mile. You don't allow the possibility of success. You create only the conditions for failure. And you condition yourself so that this bleeds off into everything else. Well, I know I can't walk a mile, they say. I, there's, I, I've proven it. I went out to walk and I made it 15 feet and ran out of air and had to walk back. It took three hours. That's fine. Um, and if your conditioning is to that degree, you need to see a psychologist. And the labyrinth is not here to replace psychologists, and it's not here to solve all your mental problems. Well, I'm just trying to give you my insight for the value that it is, which is nothing, um, for the cost that you paid for it today, which is little or nothing. You probably had to pay for your Internet airtime, um, or you had to pay for your computer, you had to pay by borrowing it. And that's a kind of payment in and of itself, isn't it? So... All that being said, you've got this knot of mantras. The first thing you got to do is realize it, okay? You've got to look over and find when this shit's popping up. And it is. It is. It's not like it's just coming out of nowhere. There's a thought that's triggering this, okay? Um, I think one of my best examples, I'm a big guy. Um, I've had some issues with my feet. This is not a mantra. This is a statement. And one day I was looking at throwing kicks, and I was like, I can't kick. And I stopped, and I looked at it. I looked at that thought sitting there, and I'm like, where the hell did you come from? And it's like, hi, you know, I'm your no-kicking thought for the day. It's like, it's like, I didn't make you. Yeah, sure you did. You, you, you did it. You did it a few years back when you decided that you didn't like doing kicks to make it feel better when people said that you should learn. I'm like, all right. And it's not like a real conversation. This is me tracking back, trying to remember. But it works better if, if you uh, humanize these thoughts in this respect. It makes it a little easier to understand where you're coming from. So I'm following this sucker back. Like, so it started there. And it wasn't that I can't kick, it's that I don't kick. Right. You know, and then, you know, you got to a point where you weren't really good at kicking because you didn't do it. So then you couldn't kick. Or that you could, but you just didn't want to because you weren't very good at it. It's like, well, of course I wasn't very good at it. I wasn't doing it. Well, hey, you know, I'm just telling you where I come from. That's not my problem, what you are or aren't good at. 
So I'm following this thought back, and I get up to where I injured my foot when I really couldn't kick, couldn't walk at one point. Um, and I'm there looking at this, and I'm like, and you were there. Yep, you remember when you were thinking, man, I wish I could do that kickboxing like they were doing on TV. And immediately you thought, well, I can't throw any kicks, so it doesn't matter. And I'm like, there you are, you little bugger. You weeded your way in. Well, what was this? Is this some strange, some strange and powerful demonic force entering my mind? No, it wasn't. This was the normal traffic of my day-to-day. This is the normal thought traffic of my mind having an impact on who I am, what I'm doing, what I'm going through. These are the normal thoughts that we're entering in in a day. And the trick, the real trick, is to just kind of shut these things down. That's where you really want the boom at. You want that in the middle of the thought. You want to shut the thought down first. This, I can't, I won't, I have to. If this thought is something that disturbs you or puts you in a place you don't want to be, first step is to stop it dead in its tracks. You acknowledge it, you look at it, you stare it down. And you then start a new mantra. And you make this mantra come up every time that thought comes up. Let's go with the uh, the simple one. I can't pass up a plate of spaghetti. You know, I used to have that mantra. I really did. I used to I used to have a mantra that you know I don't like turning down when people offer me food because I was I was taught that it was the right thing to do. It was it was polite to accept food if someone offered it, uh, especially in their house. Um, now I turn down all kinds of food. And you know why? Because I am in control of what I eat, and that was the mantra. I can't turn down a plate of spaghetti. You know what? Yes, I can, because I control what I eat, not the food. I control my senses, I decide whether or not it's tasty, I make these decisions, and I decide whether or not I'm hungry enough to eat it. I decide whether I need it. I make it a conscious decision. Well, that sounds really simple, but it just doesn't work. Yeah, that's another mantra that you need to get rid of right there. That's the mantra that attempts to dispel it. It's the negative thought mantra system. And to get rid of it, you go at it with positive thoughts. You lock it down. You know, you know you're there, and you're... You're, uh, you're tempted. Yeah. Let's say, let's say, uh, let's say you're on drugs. You're tempted for your drug. That's a rough one. This is not going to be as easy to do because you're dealing with a chemical addiction now. You do need to seek medical help. But I'm telling you, you can do a little bit in the mind with this. You can do a little bit in your own thought processes by being aware of your thought processes. And this will help some. It's not perfect. It's not medical advice. But, uh, it's my experience with things similar to or even including that. Um, what do you do? You look at it, and you say, look, I don't have to do this. Well, I've done it all this time, and it doesn't matter. No, no, I'm not doing this. I make a choice. I am in control of who I am. I decide what I do. I decide what I don't do. And what I'm not doing right now is this. People say, well, that's not that easy. And I say, you're doing it again. You're letting that mantra come up, the mantra that says the other mantra doesn't work. What good does a mantra do, do what good does the mantra of I will have self-confidence do when the mantra of but mantras don't work follows it at every single turn? So you have to stop the next mantra that comes up. You have to stop the next repeating thought, which is the one that you can't control the thoughts. This is this is where you start unraveling the loops. This is where you start untying the knot. When it's all said and done, you may have to take an axe to that knot. 
you may have to become supremely aware of what you're thinking. You must become supremely aware of what thoughts you're letting control. Now, are you going to miss a thought from time to time? Yeah. You may miss it once or twice. And the funny thing is, if you miss it and it didn't condition you, if it didn't trigger that conditioning, you'll be aware of it. To give you the example with the martial arts again, and you notice I've hopped between fast food, martial arts, drugs, because this is good for everything. This is very spiritual, even though it's very psychological, because this is also the same types of mantras you need to do to build up spiritual power, because you must believe it, you must know it, you must be able to feel it before you can use it. So this entire, this entire diatribe going around in circles on this is partially there to help with that also. But uh, we'll go back to the martial arts one. You know, you say, oh, I can't throw kicks. I'm no good at kicks. Well, no, no, I decide what I do, and I'm training in kicks. I'm getting better in kicks. Yeah, but you know, you haven't gotten better yet. Well, I will get better. What you do is you create an internal dialogue. And what you do is you make certain that not only do you have the last word, but you have the empowered word. So that these thoughts that you let run rampant, this little monster that you've given form and function by letting it grow, that you can cut it off, that you can take control of it. And you can put it in its place. You know, I, I know a lot of people, they say to me, oh, I'm so ugly, or oh, I just, I look so terrible. I look in the mirror, and I, I'm, I'm this, this thing that I see, and I say, well, I don't see that in you. And they're like, well, you don't, you don't see my pictures every day. Well, I say, yeah, I do. I've seen your pictures thousands of times, friends online, friends that I know in person. I have a friend who has got to be one of the lowest weight classes for women I know, and she tells me that she's fat. And I said to her, you need to look in a mirror, and every time you think that thought, you need to shut that sucker down. Well, why? Is Why is it bad that I let myself think this? Is it because you're destroying yourself? Because you're letting this thing run around? Because you're giving this you're giving this monster a little bit more power than it deserves. You're making a thought monster. You're making a little form of thoughts, a little ball of yourself, and you're giving it something that's not useful to you. Well, those who've listened to my program in the past... You know, some of my best episodes are the Soul Sword ones. And what you're going to say is, this sounds like the opposite of the Soul Sword. Sounds like, you know, you're looking at something you've given purpose and form. But now you're undoing it. Why would you do it? Because not all things you give purpose and form are useful. Using a meditation to create a form internally, like the Soul Sword, is beneficial. But allowing those thoughts to form a daily meditation at the end of the day, that puts a form of I can't, or I won't, or I don't have the ability to. That limits you. It puts you in a box. It puts you in a place that you should never have to be in. Because you, as a person, as human beings out there, you are what I call the uh, the lesser gods. We are the lesser gods. And what I mean by that, I've always said that I believe the gods are this this power, powerful people that just are above where we're at. But I'm telling you that we are then the lesser gods. We are powerful people that have not realized we're powerful. And in that, that word lesser is the problem I'm seeing. Because you're making certain you hang on to it. You know, you people out there that listen to my show, those of you who call in, those of you who know me, those of you who don't know me, and I'm just a voice on the air right now, I'm telling you that you are the gods. At this point, in your life, you are the God. You have the power over it. You have the ability to determine how much power you have internally. You have the ability to determine how limited you are or how limitless you can be. 
You have the ability to do this through making decisions every day, through actions every day, and then through making decisions with thoughts that will control those actions. But it starts with awareness. It starts with being aware of your thoughts, and it starts with being aware of how you manipulate yourself. Yeah, but everyone's always told me that, you know, I'm ugly, that I have a bad sidekick, that I never pass up a hamburger, that I will always be a smoker, that my parents were drinkers, so I'll be a drinker, that I've got to do drugs, that I'll never get a job, that I don't have any luck. Everyone's always told me, well, this is where we get into the other forms of manipulation. This is where we get into what people have told you, what they've done to get inside your skull, what they've done to, to work around you. And this is bad, too. And you know what the easiest way to do it, to get rid of this is? is the same way. You take that thought that is someone else's. You take that opinion. You take that thing they've given you, and when you see it popping up inside your own head, you smack that sucker down. You chop it in half. You beat it with a club if you, ha if you happen to need to. Whatever it is that you need to do at that point, you do it. You do it to stop it. And the first thing is recognizing that it's there, that it's become part of this pattern. Well, I don't know. This sounds really easy for you. Well, I'm going to tell you that it wasn't really easy. When I first started doing this, and it wasn't even easy once I got good at it, because there were still things like, well, you know, I really can't do that. And what it was is I was comfortable with can't. I was comfortable with negative wording. I was comfortable with phrasing things internally to allow this to happen. Well, I'll tell you, the first thing I did was I said, well, I'm not going to be comfortable with negative wording. Not going to be comfortable with sabotaging myself. It's just not something I'm going to let happen to myself anymore. I'm not going to be the guy who says I can't. I'm going to be the guy who says I can. I'm not going to be the guy who says there's a limit. I'm going to be the guy who says I reach. I go beyond the limit. Well, what if you're setting yourself up for failure? What if someone else is setting you up for failure, too? You know, you've been manipulated and you believe you have to fail. Well, see, this is where, this is where it's very, very hard to do. Because you've got to look at what something that you believe is the truth. You swear that it's as solid as the chair you're sitting on, or the table that you're, that you're sitting at, or, or the, the telephone that you talk on, or the computer that you use. You swear that it's as solid as those physical things. So it's very hard because now you have to delude yourself. That's right. You've got to delude yourself into believing the truth, which is that it's not solid. You have to look at yourself and you have to mentally reprogram. You have to meet that thought at every turn. Well, this sounds great. But why why are you why are you so worried about it? Because it's it's dangerous when these mind frames get a hold of you. It's dangerous when these mind frames take control. Because they will not let up if you don't make them let up. Well, that sounds like a negative mantra. No, that's a realization came to from years of battling my own negative mantras. Wow. Such, such an impacting thing. If only, if only I had tools to deal with this. If only I had a way. Well, let's go over a couple of those. The easiest one the one that I've recommended in the past. The one that i found is useful, but it's one I've never actually really used. It's something that was passed to me and I didn't need it at the time, but other people did, and it wound up making them, is the rubber band. The what? The rubber band. 
What are you going to do? You're gonna, you ain't going to shoot me with that rubber band, are you? You know, everyone sees me just make a little rubber band go, my finger's a rubber band! <laughs> yes, I am. I am going to shoot you with that rubber band. Actually, you're going to shoot you with it. You're going to put this sucker on your wrist, and every time you have a negative thought, you're going to stop, look at that rubber band, and say, I thought that ain't real, and that's not what I'm going to be. And you're going to flick yourself once to remind yourself that, you know, you're not letting that happen. Then you're going to go through, and you're going to have a positive message ready. If you can't think of a positive message, think of one anyway. Can't think of it's an excuse. You know, screw your excuses, think of one. I don't care how silly it sounds. No one else is going to hear it because you're only going to think it. You're going to flick yourself with a rubber band again as a reminder of who you really are, and then you're going to continue on. And if that negative thought you're dealing with, that negative mantra has rooted itself in deep, I guarantee you'll find out every spot it's in. And uh, you're going to chop it up. You're going you're gonna to be flicking rubber bands at it until it gives up and goes away. Well, I don't think the rubber band trick would work, but you better flick yourself with a rubber band after you say that. And say, well, I'm certain that my force of will will make a difference. And then you, again. Well, that, that, that's, that's an interesting method, but I don't want people to think I'm crazy. Yeah, cause you know, like anyone would ever, ever think that, uh, anyone is crazy in this world, especially with, with some of the topics that I've come up with in the past, some of the things that I went over, you know, it would be really easy to make the misassociation. Okay? You don't want people to think you're crazy. I get that. I cool, I'm cool with that. I understand. So let's look at another one. Keep a book on you. Not a book book, but like a little notepad. You have that thought pop up. You know, you stop and say, oh, i got to write this down or I'll forget. You write down the thought. And you cross it out. Okay? And you write down something like crossing out this thought and putting in this one on your notepad. You know, um, how about this one? I am I am always stressed when I'm at work. That's a good one. I used to actually have that when I corrected it. I'm no longer stressed anywhere. You could set an A-bomb off where I work. I wouldn't notice it, uh, which has been my new mantra. You know, I, I, I started saying it to people, and they'd say, you know, uh, you know, you're always stressed or you're always doing these things, you know. And I say, uh, you know, I'm, I'm never stressed. You know, they say, well, aren't you always stressed out whenever, you know, it gets to be a busy day? No, I'm never stressed. You could drop an A-bomb in here, I wouldn't notice it. So that started becoming my new mantra, but I didn't need the notepad for it. But let's say you need a tool, okay, because tools are good. You know, we're talking about psychological transmutation here. you got to draw some symbols on a piece of paper. That just makes you a little bit more like the, uh, the anime Full Metal Alchemist, so I'm cool with that. So you draw your symbols on a piece of paper. Those symbols are words. Those symbols are a statement. Those symbols represent the words that you're repeating inside your mind, inside your mantra. So with those words, with those symbols repeating, you know, you write down what you're not going to do because you're trying to get rid of your negative mantra. You cross it out, and you write down what it is going to be. So when someone says, well, you know, aren't you always stressed out at work? Give me a second. got I got to make a note of something real quick. You write that down, and you put down, you know, I, work never stresses me out. Work never causes me problems. You know, so... You write that down. What have you done? Well, you've built a pattern. Okay? You'll fill the little notepad by the end of a week. You'll fill the little notepad by the end of a year, for sure. But, you know, eventually, eventually that thought becomes just a thought. Eventually it no longer has bearing on you. And eventually it goes away. But even if you get to the point that it doesn't go away, eventually it becomes so little that dealing with it is just looking at being like you again? Really? Stress at work? Are you kidding me? 
I took care of that shit years ago. And now it's just a joke to you. Now it has no power. Now you stole its fire. You stole its pattern in your mind. And, uh, you know, you've untied it. You've untied that knot in the brain. What else can you do? Um, you can actually do this by having a strange action be your trigger for undoing it. Well, what is a strange, a strange action? Well, you know, I gotta, I gotta hop up and down on one foot and, and quack like a duck? You could. Um, I wouldn't suggest it. Because then you'll need a new mantra for, you know, I'm not as crazy as people think I am. Um, <laughs> but instead, we'll use, uh, we use stress at work, we'll use, uh, we'll use dieting next. Because this is one that I've seen people have problems with. They say, well, I can't pass up a cheeseburger. I just can't do it. Uh, say, well, what you do is anytime you think that, anytime you say that, you tap yourself on the wrist real quick, right? Or you just kind of tap your arm, right? Someone says, what was that, mosquito? And then mosquito becomes a word of power against this, eventually. <laughs> you know, I've got to have mosquito! And then you are no longer are hungry. You are no longer you know, looking for this. You are no longer in this state. And you no longer have to have that cheeseburger. Now, yeah, you're hungry. But, you know, you've corrected that with mosquito. Mosquito, your battle cry, your word of power. And your friend's like, well, you know, if you're really not, because you're there, you know, you're there looking at me like, well, I'm really not into the cheeseburger thing. So now you have that mantra that has come in to replace it verbally. You know, you were like, let's get a hamburger. And you're like, oh, what was that? Oh, sorry, mosquito. Yeah, you know, on second thought, ah, I've been, I've been eating too many of those. I'm sick of hamburgers. Really? You? You're like the dude from the Popeye cartoon. You're never sick of hamburgers. Well, I don't know. Maybe I'm like the other guy from the Popeye cartoon. I'd love a salad with some spinach in it right now. Really? You eat salad? Well, and then you're there thinking, man, I hate salad. Ah, mosquito! Jeez, these damn mosquitoes. Oh, no, man, I love salads. Now, admittedly, if you take this to the extreme, you can go around smacking the shit out of yourself. Okay? People may be like, that is one, you know, that's one cooked duck bear walking around. Um, and, you know... People are going to think you're a little out there, so you can pick other things, like, you know, just kind of rubbing your leg with your foot a little bit. You know, scratching the back of your ear, something you don't normally do. And eventually, that'll create a pattern against the existing pattern. So, what other tools are there? You know, we have the direct physical conditioning. We have the writing. What about, what if you, what if you really don't feel you can take care of this through a day, but you still want to deal with it? And you go home and you write out a journal. And in that journal, you have two pages that you're allowed to write on. One on the left, one on the right. Every day, you're allowed to do this. You come home and you write down all those things you did that you wish you hadn't done. Now write down, I did this, and I just, I, I didn't like the person I was. I didn't like the outcome. I don't like what it did. I can't do kicks. I said that, and I didn't like it because I believe I can if I try a little harder. Or I can't block, I'll tell you one of mine was I can't block a fist in midair. I, I can't block. I don't know what it is. I ain't got the reaction time for it. You know what? I used to say that all the time. And finally, I changed my mantra to, if everyone else can, then I know I can. And then I changed it to, you know what? I can do whatever I want because I'm the best there is. I changed the mantra. Changed around all of a sudden, you know, recently I'm knocking fists out of midair. 
didn't even didn't even occur to me that I couldn't because I was going to because I stepped in with the right thought. So what you do, you write down all those things on the left hand side. These are the things. Oh yeah, I did this and I did this and you know. Oh, I I, I thought about how I couldn't you know ever uh, fix my, I couldn't ever change my car's oil by myself. You know, I went over and had someone else help me change because I thought about you know how messy it is and how I know I'll never be able to do this by myself. And then on the other side, you write down. I know I can change the oil by myself, and the next time I need to change the oil, that's what I'm going to do. Okay? So you go through all those things that were negative that you didn't like, those reactions that you programmed in that you didn't want to happen, and you go over and you uh, you change it on the other side. You go over and you write down the things you wanted, the things you needed. And what is this? What what is what is this? This sounds like kind of a meditation. You can do this with meditation also. You can address these things in a meditative posture in a meditative state, you can go through them, and you can undo the person you are. At the end of the day, you can undo the things you didn't want to be. This is human transmutation. That's right. I'm giving you the real circle for human transmutation here. What a scary thought. What a terrifying idea. You can change the human you are. You can transmute the person you've become. There's a limit to this. Okay? You are not gonna, by virtue of changing a thought pattern alone, cause enormous amounts of wealth to seek you out, polar bears to knock on your door, birds to shit gold, or your car to, uh, you know, do backflips on the highway. Shit has a limit. And even in mysticism, it has a limit. And that limit is what I call the upper limit of probability. That is what can likely happen, and then what things can likely happen that you want to happen and getting them to occur. And that's that's in the mysticism, and that is normally something I'd want to get into more. But I'm kind of running out of time on the show, and I've done probability control before, and we've got an episode on it in the archives, and feel free to look it up. It's a very good episode. It's uh, really a lot of good things to say in it. With all of this, knowing that you can cross out who you were, knowing that you can affect it through physical action, knowing that you can recondition your brain, you can psychologically transmute yourself, you can undo this. You can also, through that, undo things that other people have done to you. People tell you, oh, I've, you've always been this, or oh, you've always been that, or oh, you're always going to be like this. You know, you can undo that when you see that their thought, that they planted in, that word, that voice, that statement is coming back to your mind, you can undo that as easily as you do anything else and these techniques are solid for that. Um, I got one last one with that. And this was one my mentor passed down to me. He said, I visualize in my left hand who I am, the faults that I see that I don't want. And I visualize in my right hand all of the things I wanted to be, all the things I wanted to do today. So he would make like a compilation of who he was for the day and kind of make it like a picture of himself. And he says, in my left hand, I'm there and I'm down, I'm upset. You know, whatever, you know. I'm not happy with those things that I did because they weren't being the person I wanted to be. He says, I take the and I visualize me happy and, and good and strong and all those things I wanted to be, all those things I should have done that I didn't do, that I wanted to do, or that I felt I should have handled it this way and I handled another. And he says, I take those and I clap. And when I do, the only thing that's left is the one that was on the right hand. The other one's gone. I merge it and destroy it in that action. That's a very spiritual, visual, psychological technique to help reprogram your mind. It's a simple method. 
It's an easy method. It's one that you should have no problem implementing almost anywhere, except that you got to explain to people why you clap. And you can explain to people why you clap with the simple statement of, you know, uh, I got this thing that whenever I'm having a moment where I feel down on myself, I remind myself how great I am by clapping. And, you know, yeah, you might set some people off. You may want to take and just do this as the meditation at the end of the day. Or it may go very well for you. It may work out in a way that you don't even completely comprehend it working out. So, it has a value as a meditation. I know this was not a very big technique show. Oh, God, yeah, we all hate, we all hate it when I don't do techniques, you know. I mean, I, I can hear the people outside the office windows, if we really had offices. Um, I, you know, I can hear the people outside the windows so upset about me not covering any real spiritual techniques this week. Well, I mean, uh, no one's upset? Oh, well, <laughs> uh, you know, I guess sometimes, yeah, oh, thanks, everyone. Yeah, I, you know, I, I, you know, I, I apologize for the, for the lack of uh, spiritual techniques uh, this time. I usually like to give you something you can take home. And I have given you something you can take home. I've given you several methods for improving the mind. And the mind is the link to the body and the spirit. And without that, everything else crumbles. So, I've given you that tool for the day. I've given you that thing to work with. And if you're there going, this doesn't look like spiritual energy work, it doesn't look like martial arts, has nothing to do with shielding or grounding or defending or warding or summoning up the powers of the universe. Well, then maybe you don't understand how that really works, because that starts in the mind. And if the mind is not powerful, the mind is not reinforced to be able to do things, then it'll fail. But you don't accept that condition, if that's where you're at, as the final outcome. You fight yourself daily. You train yourself to be stronger. You grow to a greater level of power. And at the end of the day, you awaken the night within. This episode brought to you by the Rose Quartz Labyrinth. Talismans, spell work, attunements, you name it, we've got it. When it comes to practicing magic for your benefit, we are a leader of the pack. We highly recommend our divination services and our consultation services, as these two tend to allow us to help people in a very definitive way with their path spiritually and magically, which is, of course, what the Labyrinth was founded for and what we continue to do to this very day.